people who just got to be back there signed up. Amen. Um, I'm going to, um, we're going to pray and then I'm going to teach you a little bit this morning. I'm going to teach you about victory through faith. It's so important. Man, I feel like the praise team did such an excellent job of setting us up this morning, man. We're so blessed. Got one of the best praise teams in the nation. Got one of the best praise and worship leaders in the world, not the nation, the world. I had the opportunity to travel all over this country, hear people sing praise and worship. Literally, I hear people sing praise and worship. I'd be like, Chris should be here. She should be singing that. Not that I don't appreciate other people. I'm just saying. So you want to be so careful to honor the people. So if their praise team blesses you in service, be sure to tell them that they bless you. Um, you know, it's um, singing is not that easy. They ask me, they say, um, Kedron's always trying to get me to sing on praise team. Let me tell you why I don't sing on praise team. Because I really like to be a free spirit. And if I stand on the front row, I can sing whatever part I want to, right? So I'm listening to the song, and like I'm liking what the tenors are singing. I rock with the tenors, right? And then, like, the sopranos will do something. I'll be like, I think I can get a little bit of that. I rock with that. And then I drop back to that comfortable alto when I don't really want to work, right? But if I was singing up here, then people be side-eyeing me because I watch how they side-eye each other when people don't get their notes right. And so I just stay right out there so, um, so I can sing whatever part I want to sing. I sing all the parts, whatever part I want to. That's why I don't sing on praise team, amen. <laughs> so we're going to talk about victory through faith this morning. I hope you brought your notebooks. I hope you uh, take notes on your phone. Listen, let me tell you something. If you're going to grow up in the word of God, you've got to become a student of the word. If you're going to become a student of the word, you have to teach. So you have to treat the sermon like school you have to take notes and then you have to study the notes and you're going to understand why this is so important so let's pray and let's get started most gracious heavenly father lord we thank you for this day we thank you for the blood god we thank you for even the refreshing and the reminding that came through praise and worship that reminded us that we only even have the right to gather here because of the precious blood of the lamb Father, we thank you for Holy Spirit that leads and guides us in all truth. We thank you that because of him, we're not bound. We're not left without wisdom. We thank you for the healing power that heals, delivers, and sets free, God. And we thank you for your precious word because you said that whenever we hear the word, we should be changed. It is our expectation to be changed as the word goes forth. We declare that your word will go forth unhindered and unblocked and unchecked by any satanic for, um, in, um influence we declare that your word will flow freely and people's lives will be changed and we will never be the same we thank you that the word is incorruptible seed that goes into our hearts and that it always produces a harvest in jesus name amen amen so listen so some of you guys we only been up here 18 months y'all don't really know that my first love is that i'm a preacher right i am a preacher i, I do i coach pastor Elvin, the teacher i am a preacher i'm gonna do my very very best to teach and not to preach uh, because <laughs> instigator. And so we're going to talk about victory through faith. Tell your neighbor, say, victory, victory. comes through faith. through faith. Listen, this is so important. Victory is the will of God for every believer. Victory is the will of God for every believer. For those of you who do not know, you can go to www.focchurch.tv www.focchurch.tv by tomorrow morning the message will be up you can listen to it I encourage you to listen to this message over and over again because this message is a foundation for your victory amen 
It is the will of God for every believer to live in victory. Say, that includes me. I'm going to say it again. We'll get it in our heart. It is the will of God for, okay, we do it that way. It is the will of God for every believer to live in victory. That's me. That's me. You have to take it and you have to own it that that is the will of God for you, your life. It is God's desire for us to triumph over life's challenges. One of the things you need to understand is that being a believer does not exempt you from life circumstances. Being a believer, this is just like a test. So the stuff I say two, three times, you should make sure you get that down. Being a believer does not exempt you from life circumstances. Life happens. But your faith can become a buffer for life circumstances. Let me give you an example. At the beginning of 2016, we got a word. There would be no premature death. The only reason that the Lord gives you a word is that the enemy is going to send an attack. So then it, every day we are building our faith as we are making the confession, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Every day that we're declaring over us, we shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. We are building a hedge for a triumph over whatever life may throw at us. We're building our faith. That's why it's so important for you to get the word in your heart and to speak the word. And so I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of you, you've accepted Jesus as your personal life, but in truth, you live really defeated. And you live really defeated because you don't have any word in you. Because when life happens to you, what you say is what life said instead of what God said. And if you're going to live in victory, you have to know the word. You have to choose to believe it, and you have to open your mouth and say what God is saying about you. Amen? John 10 and 10. Let's look at John 10 and 10. We're going to look at lots of scriptures today. Why? Because faith comes by hearing the word. Not my opinion, not a poem, but what the word is saying. John 10 and 10, it says, the thief comes only to do three things. What are the three things that the thief comes to do? So when something is being stolen out of your life, who's doing it? When something is being destroyed in your life, who's doing it? When something's being killed in your life, who's doing it? It is very important that you understand that your trouble does not come from the Lord. Say, my trouble does not come from the Lord. We're going to say that one again. Say, my trouble does not come from the Lord. Three times for the Holy Ghost. My trouble does not come from the Lord. Let's go ahead and let's tear down these religious beliefs right here. The Lord does not give you sickness to teach you something. The Lord does not give you sickness because you fornicate. The Lord did not kill your grandmama because you wouldn't go and be a teacher. God is not a killer. God is not a taker. God is not out to get you. You should go ahead and settle this. If God was out to get you, you would be God. Who would stop him? Your mama can't stop God if God come to get you. God clearly is for you because you're still here. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Have you ever sinned? You should be dead, right? But you here. God is not out to get you. Amen? 
So when we see, here is the first mindset change that must occur for every believer. When we see something being stolen, when we see something being destroyed, when we see something being killed in our life, we must assign it to who it belongs to. Who does it belong to? The enemy. And it says, I came that they might have what? And have it how? In abundance. Go to King James right quick because I just want to show you something because it's just for the purpose of English that will help you remember this. And then we'll go back to the Amplified. Listen, you have to become a student of the word. It says, um, it says the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, to steal, kill, and destroy. And I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. There's a translation. I thought it was the King James. It says, but I am come. We know the word but cancels out everything else. So it tells you up front what the devil comes to do. And then it says but, meaning canceling out everything that the devil has come to do in your life. Make this confession. Say there is nothing that the enemy could do to me that the Lord has not already given me victory over. See, you got to know before you start. That's what Pastor Evan was talking about when he was talking about having that Yukon spirit. You got to know before you start that you are a champion. You have to know before you start that you don't overcome because you're so smart. You don't overcome because you have money in the bank. You overcome because you belong to the Lord. Amen? And if God is for me, who can be against me? And so the thing is, is that you got to get that in your heart in real life. Most people can quote them scriptures in church. But as soon as you get a difficult boss, oh, the devil coming against me. Like, did you not think that the Bible says that that's what he comes to do? The devil doing his job. Do your job. Stay in faith and speak the word. Tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor, stop being so moved by the devil. He's already defeated. You know, and the, the thing is, is that you want to be careful not to be devil conscious. I'm not saying that you shouldn't recognize the devil. I'm saying just don't be devil conscious. I know saints everywhere they go, ooh, that's the spirit of so-and-so. Ooh, that's the spirit of such-and-such. Such. Ooh, that's the spirit of this, that, and the third. Did you recognize God in the room? How you know every spirit by name, every imp, every lower principality, and you didn't recognize the Holy Ghost was there? I know, it is so true. Let's go back to John 10 and 10. So you want to be careful not to be this person that's devil conscious. And you want to be careful to recognize that sometimes there's something that's happening in your life because God is growing you up and the devil is trying to stand in your way. You asked, here we go. Oh, Lord, I want a husband. I just, I'm believing God. You know, I just, I want somebody, because, you know, the truth is, men not, men not like this, but women, they so deep. <laughs> women so deep, they like, I want a husband, and we will do godly things together. We're going to grow up, and we're going to produce kingdom children, and, and we're going to do a kingdom assignment. And you thought you would go do that with no resistance? You, you thought you would go, we go get together, and we go raise some kingdom kids to do some kingdom assignments, and the devil would just go, go, go ahead, go. <laughs> you got on your little boards, you declaring, you believing, and then the first time you have a fight, you like, I think I miss God. 
I think I miss God. Let me tell you what you need to understand. This is so important. Faith starts where the will of God is known. If you don't know the words, you don't know the will, so you don't know faith. Faith starts where the will of God is known. I'm going to give you some simple stuff, and then we can get into the word. Faith starts where the will of God is known. So here, let me give you an example. So the Bible says that it is the will of God for everybody to be married unless they choose not to be married, meaning they don't have a desire. Paul talks about that. Paul wasn't married, so if you want to be married, don't take Paul's advice. Go back into Genesis where he says it's not good for man to be alone, right? That was his original purpose. Plus, men don't really need to be by themselves anyway because we the better part. All the men should have said amen. It's just the truth because the Bible doesn't say when a wife finds a man, she finds a good thing. The Bible says that when a man finds a wife, he finds good. And the Bible says, and he obtains favor with the Lord. In fact, woman is so dope that what he says is is that if you mistreat your wife, I won't even hear you when you pray. Mm Mm-hmm. For the record, some of you men who like, Lord, why I can't get a promotion? You don't treat your wife well. Woo! Tight, but it's right. So, here we go. So, what people say is, you know, I believe I want to be married. So, one of the questions we always ask in this church is, what did God say? What's one of the questions we always ask in this church? What did God say? So, what people do is they get me somebody. Y'all know I'm going to say it because my one of my favorite words to describe me and one relationships. You meet somebody, you get the tinglies. Y'all look cute when y'all take a selfie. Y'all have similar goals. And so what you say is, this must be my husband. That's from God. What did God say? Because at some point, tinglys ain't going to be there. Them selfies going to make you want to tear them up. So you got to know that whoever you're with, you're with them because God told you that's what you should be with. See, that's what faith is. See, everybody can have faith to be married, but you don't get to have faith for a person until God tells you that person belongs to you. I would drop the mic past it and get mad. I'm just telling you, listen, I'm telling you, you you're, you're trying to put your will on God, but faith is not the exercising of your will. It is the exercising of his will, which means that I have a covenant right for whatever he says belongs to me, not whatever I take stake over. And you don't want to, tell your neighbor, say, don't manipulate scripture. Because the more educated people get, the better they get at manipulating scripture. You want a new job, you want a promotion, so you go over here and you quote scripture. What the Bible says... That promotion doesn't come from the north, south, east, and west, but from the Lord. And whatsoever I desire, if I pray, I will have it. Except when you got ready to apply for another job, the Lord told you not yet. So then what you want to do is you want to use the principles of the kingdom like favor and grace in order to manipulate yourself into a situation that God didn't call you into. And then what happens is you get into that situation and you get warfare and you're like, I don't understand why we got here because you wasn't ready yet. Because just because it's increased and just because it's promotion doesn't mean that it belongs to you right now. Because everything about your life is strategic. We got married when we were 22. Here's what I'm smart enough to understand. God let us get married when we was 22 because we had to work through that thing when we was 22 because, baby, at 27, we'd have made about three dinners. I'd have been like, all right. Got my own money. 
don't need nothing from you. The Lord was like, Edwin and Sean, they got to start from the bottom. <laughs> they got to work their way together. Some of you, you're in different situations. Your heart will be so open. You, listen, let me tell you something. If I had had money first, you couldn't have told me nothing. You couldn't have told me nothing. It's the truth. You got to know yourself. He was like, let me give her a husband when she's 22, when they're sharing financial aid checks, when they're getting food stamps. But let me get them early so she feels they feel like everything is theirs because if they mess around and have some success individually, they will throw the deuces so fast. I'm telling you, if I had got married at 27, I'd have divorced him and he wouldn't even know I had gone to the lawyer. I'd have been like still, I'd have been like, he'd have been like, such such. I'd have been like, we're not married. We're not married. How do I know that? Because that's how I broke up with my boyfriend. I ain't never tell nobody it's over. I just be moved on. They be like, <laughs> they be like, <laughs> be like no, I be, no, seriously, I would be out on a date with somebody else, and they would be like, what you doing? I'd be like, on a date. And they would be like, we was together. I was like, we not together. So the Lord was like, let me help them early. Let me link them early. Let me let them. See, what you don't understand is, and here's the thing. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12 and 2 to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You don't know yourself well enough to understand why God would put you in certain situations. Because he know you better than you know yourself. And then this, because we talk about marriage because a lot of people want to be married. See, the other thing, too, is that whenever God gives you somebody marrying, just be clear. He is not going to give you somebody who just like you. Because that ain't what covenant is about. Covenant is about strengths covering weaknesses. So God is intentionally going to find somebody who fits with you like a puzzle, but in the fitting, everything about the fitting, get on your last nerves. It get on your last nerve. That's why you got to know because marriage will have friction because marriage is an institution ordained by God that the enemy hates. You don't want to be in battle with somebody you ain't called to be in battle with. You want to be in battle with somebody that at least when you can't stand them, you know that God told you you were supposed to be with them. I tried to get the Lord to say I had missed God about him. I'm like, I'm like, come on, this dude? He's like, you can do what you want to do. That's who I picked. And over 22 years, I've had the opportunity to grow up in ways that I wouldn't have grown up in if I hadn't had this friction in my life. And the Bible says it like this, because you know, you people, the saints want to be deep till the scripture's time to be applied. Iron sharpening iron. Well, if you could talk to the knives, don't you think the knives would tell you it hurt to have two knives cutting against each other? Do you not think that there's a level of friction when someone comes in and they challenge who you are at your core? When you have always communicated in this raggedy, ineffective way and they don't let you get away with it anyway? Like your whole life you have manipulated situations because you just don't talk. And then you marry somebody who just like, no, we going to talk. We go talk. We talk now. We talk later. But we go talk. You binding the devil, but you need to learn how to communicate. You need to learn how to communicate. I'm trying to help the people today, Jesus. 
because faith starts where the will of God is known. So I have a right for a job. I have a right for a spouse. I have a right for a house. I have a right for a car. But what heaven will back is what heaven has assigned to me. What heaven will back is what heaven has assigned to me. It's the reason that some of you need to make a step of progress in your relationship with the Lord. What do I mean by that? He's your Savior, but he's not your Lord. Here's the difference. Your Savior, you want him to rescue you. You don't want to go to hell. You don't want to live in hell. He tell you not to do stuff. You do it anyway, and he come save you. But you could avoid it if you just let him be Lord. Oh, he's so wonderful. Till he tell you what to do. See, the real measure of your relationship with God is not what happens when God lets you do what you already wanted to do. It's when you want to do something and the Lord be like, nope. And all of it ain't bad stuff. I mean, it's some basic stuff like if you ask the Lord, can you cuss somebody out? He going to say no every time. You don't even have to ask. Every time he going to say, Lord, can I cuss them out? You know they deserve to get cussed out. He going to say, no, you can't cuss them out, right? But it's some other stuff that seems good. And God is going to say, no, that's not for you. It's not for you right now. What's so encouraging about this message? What's encouraging about this message is that if I learn to lay a hold of what God has for me, it ain't a devil in hell that can stop me from getting what belongs to me. So I want to know what God has for me. The truth of it is, is that most believers in America live their life doing what they want to do. They major in what they want to major in. They take jobs where they want to take jobs. They live where they want to live. They, it never even occurs to them to ask God to do anything but bless it. Instead of asking the Lord, is this what you want me to have? And really, you know, how many of you believe God is good? Everybody believe God is good till you want, I mean, he tell you you can't have it. And then that's when people get their scripture out. I, I'll give you. We just talking, right? Because we gonna be on faith for a while, right? I give you a great example. So, everybody want to be blessed financially. Everybody, even people who be like, money is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible say. But even the people who say that, I know they want to be blessed financially because they go to work. I always say to people who say they believe money is evil. I say, if you really believe that, I want you to quit working. I want you to go work for free. If you really believe that, you don't really believe that. So what's interesting to me is that people are so good at picking out the scripture, right? This is what I love about believers. They go over here to Deuteronomy 8, baby, and Deuteronomy 8, 8, Deuteronomy 8, and Deuteronomy, um, it says, Deuteronomy 8, 18, it says, I, I have given you the power to get wealth. Most of y'all know it, even if you didn't know that's where it was. Deuteronomy 8 and 18, I've given you the power to get wealth. You be prophesying to jobs, prophesying to land, prophesying to stuff. The Lord has given me the power to get wealth. And then someone says, you should tithe. You say, that's Old Testament. Well, so it Deuteronomy. That, that, that power to get wealth scripture, that's an Old Testament scripture, but you want that. You have to be a person who isn't one of those people who's always trying to get the most you can get from God while living life your own way. Yeah, see, people love this scripture. <laughs> Go over to Malachi, people will cuss you. You put me under the law. That was the law. That if you follow this law, you will be blessed. See, you got to judge your own self. 
We can talk about food. We can talk about a lot of stuff. Faith for how are you supposed to eat. Faith for how you are supposed to eat. It's 20 million diet. But God made you. God will say something simple to you. He'll be like, all you got to do is don't drink soda every day and drink more water. Something like that, right? You don't want to do that, so what you drink do is drink soda for six months and then go on a 10-day cleanse and then you mad. All you had to do was stop drinking soda every day. The whole challenge of the character of man is that we think we can do God better than he can. We think we can do God better than he can. So God made you, right? He know your mama and your daddy. He know your DNA. Now, if you're black in America, you don't necessarily know all your DNA. He can take you all the way back to the very first one. So when he say to you, don't eat pork because you got high blood pressure. You 13, you got high blood pressure. Don't eat pork. And then what you're trying to do is pray over time and I take out all the impurities. That ain't faith. I go to dinner with people, and they really pray like this. They go, Father, we want you to bless this food and cancel these calories. I say, you're illegal in the kingdom. You don't have a right to ask God to cancel calories. What is you making up? You can't take the sugar out of cake. Could you take the sugar out of cake if God gave you a word? But he didn't get, like, say, for example, you were stranded on a ship and all they had was cake, right? And God didn't want you to die. He could take the sugar out the cake. But if it's a choice between broccoli and cake, you don't get to bind the sugar to eat the cake. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just trying to help us in a way that, you know, people like, we practical. We are practical here. We are practical here. It is simple. The Bible says the gospel is so simple, even a child can do it. You cannot spend every dime you have and then bind the devil because your account is in the overdraft. Don't bind the devil, bind yourself. Stay out the mall. Stay out of dinner on Friday night. You got to just tell your friends the truth. I can't afford Ruth Chris. I can afford Wendy's, the value meal. I got $4 for dinner. I got $4 for dinner. If you want me to eat Ruth Chris, you got to pay for it. But I'd rather you help me pay off some of this debt. I don't need a $50 steak when they calling me every day. Let me keep going because this is really important stuff right here. So it says, he come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That is the zoe kind of life. I want to define that for you. It is a Greek word, zoe, Z-O-E. He says, I want you to have a certain kind of life. It is the God kind of life. Only God can give you the God kind of life. Every good life ain't a God life. Now, I'm going to say that again. Every good life ain't a God life. One of the Greatest privileges I've had of getting the opportunity to coach people from all walks of life is just because you got money don't mean you happy. Just because you live in a big house, just because you got, baby, I have coached people who got literally their outfit and their purse cost more than I make in a year. And their lives are shot. Because prosperity isn't just money. It is money, but it's not just money. It is peace. What good does it do to have on red bottoms 
and you ain't got no peace. I'd rather have on Payless and some peace. Well, actually, I'd rather have on some expensive shoes and some peace. But if I had to choose, if I had to choose, but we don't have to choose if we do it God's way. So, Zoe, what does it mean? It means the absolute fullness of life. Tell your neighbor, say, only God knows how to get you to the absolute fullness of life. Amen. It is a, a, the Zoe life is a life dedicated to God. Here's a question you need to ask yourself. Am I devoted to God? Am I dedicated to God? Does my life belong to God when I'm not in church? Does my life belong? If I want to go left and God says right, what do I do? That's what people say here. But what do you do at home? Let me give you a practical example. When the Lord says shut up, what do you do? No, say one more thing. I'm going to say one more thing. <laughs> see, see, that's why you got to break it down and make it practical because people be like, oh, he's Lord. Well, what about the fact that the Lord told you to be nice to your boss even though your boss is a jerk? What about the fact that the Lord told you to get that mean co-worker lunch and you like the devil is alive? I wish I would buy that help or something. So when is he Lord? He got to be Lord outside of here. When is he Lord? He just Lord when the music high and when you crying? When is he Lord? Because the real measure of his Lordship, baby, let me tell you something. I can't even tell you the number of stuff I want to do and the Lord be like, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. Let me tell you something. This truth, y'all know this about me. You know this. I'm telling you, baby, if somebody come for me, Baby, if somebody, listen, I'm serious. I'm so serious. Do not come for me unless I send for you, baby. I grew up on a bus in a little town called Fordyce, Arkansas. I can join in my sleep. You understand? And I have no insecurities about anything about me because I grew up on that bus. When somebody comes for me, literally, they will be coming and the Lord will be like, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. No, I'm telling you, this is the truth. And he know, right? He know that there's certain people who can't call you when you like that. Like, he don't never let Kenosha call me when I'm like that, baby. Because, like, we'll be writing out a poem about what we're going to say back. He had Chris call. Chris will send a little message. She'll be like, hey, mom, how you doing today? I'll be like, no. Here come Chris. I can't even tell you how bad Chris get on my nerves when I want to tell somebody something. Then this is what she do. Let me show you. Come here, Chris. This is what she do. If she with me, she rub my back. I want to push her down. <laughs> I do. I mean, she be like, she be like, Mom, it's okay. Just do whatever's pleasing. I just want to go. Like, you don't stop touching me. But God will put people in your life who will help you remember he's Lord. You can measure your own life, baby. Measure your own life. When you are in, let, let, let's say, for example, let's say you're single and you're trying not to fornicate. Or you say you're trying not to fornicate. Who you call when you debate and determine what you want to do? Because if you really were trying to decide not to fornicate, call me. Call me. If you're really trying to decide not to fornicate, call me. Call your mama. Call your mama. Call your mama and say, you know what? I'm thinking about having sex with somebody I ain't married to. If you're really trying not to fornicate, but you call, that ain't who you call. Because you want to, so you call your friend who fornicated. So she can say, he can say, man, everybody doing it. 
everybody. I say my kids. What my grandma used to say to me, everybody jump off a bridge, you go jump too. So the measure of his lordship is who you call. Who you call. If you're trying to walk away from conflict, you know who to call. And you know who will get your bail money ready. If you're trying to stay married, you know which family members go pray you through, and you know which family members will show up at your house with a U-Haul you didn't even pay for, baby. They'd be like, they'd be like, what? We up out of here. You gotta know who to call. But some of it starts with whether you're gonna stick with the word or not. It is not always easy to do what God is calling you to do. In fact, most of the time, until you discipline your flesh, every your spirit be so willing in here. Your spirit be like, Lord, I do anything you want me to do. Jesus, I do anything. I do anything, I do anything, I go to Africa, but you know he ain't going to ask you to go to Africa. He just wants you to be nice. Why he going to send you to Africa? He can't get you to speak to your neighbors. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Is this making sense? Because faith starts where the will of God is known. Because what people want to do is this. See, what you have to understand is the Bible says in Jeremiah 29 and 11. Don't go there because we're going to 1 Corinthians. Jeremiah 29 11. It says, for I know the thoughts I have for you, says the Lord. Right? The plans that I have for you. Right? That means that when God created Sean, he created my path. He knew every person I would need. He knew every resource I would need. He knew every place that I would need to be. Right? Just because I see Nitra get to do something don't mean it's for me. That's why I got to know the will of God for my life. I'm going to help most of you. God sends people to Northwest Arkansas for two reasons. To expose you to something you haven't been exposed to before. And to put you in a place of isolation to grow you up. And people come to Northwest Arkansas, and they try to escape. I know I spent a lifetime trying to escape, baby. I did. I tried to, listen, I used to take the map and just be like, any place, any place, any place. And then what happens for a lot of people is they spend all their time here begrudging it. And so then they don't get the lesson that they should have. And so you're at work and you're being successful at work. And so work is promoting you, but your spirit man isn't developed for the next level. So you go out into the next level. And then what should have been a blessing to you is a curse to you because you didn't get the lesson you needed here in isolation to grow you up. Up on this mountain, you learn whether you got faith or whether you're you just living off your mama faith. On this mountain, you love, this is the mountain where faith is revealed, whether you got it or whether you don't. On this mountain, you find out smart ain't enough. Because some of you, before you came here, you was the smartest thing wherever you had been. And then you come up here and you find out there's lots of folks smart up here, baby. <laughs> you be like, oh, I was in the AP class. They was like, me too. I took calculus, too, in the third grade. (laughs) 
so this is a place, so if you're here, it's to grow you up. But if you don't take the lesson, and then what happens is that somebody will come here, and they will come here after you and leave before you, and then you'll begin to begrudge why they got to leave. That ain't your business. Run your own race. Ooh, I preach better than you say they man. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, right? Because that's the kind of stuff that people want. Lord, just deliver me from northwest Arkansas. He delivered you into to deliver you. He delivered you into here to deliver you, but you fighting trying to get out. One of the things I see all over this region all the time is that somebody will come here and their life will start to be dramatically changed. Not just in this church, in this church, just across this region. Your life will change. Why? Because you'll start to settle down. God will be able to speak to you. It gets quiet enough for God to speak to you. And as soon as your life gets on track, you will let some job entice you into leaving. Yeah. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory, making us conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. So everything that God will ever ask you to do, it is to cause you to be a conqueror. Everything, let's say that out loud, say everything that God asked me to do, it is to cause me to be a conqueror. Let's define conqueror. The word conqueror, it means to take control of through force. To take control through the use of force. The second definition for conqueror is to defeat someone or something through the use of force. And then C, to gain control of a problem or difficulty through great effort. So, I'm going to read those three definitions again. A conqueror is a person who takes control of something through force. They are a person that defeats something or something through the use of force. And they are a person that gains control of a problem or a difficulty through great effort. Now, in Romans 8 and 39, it says, thanks be to God because he has made us more than conquerors through Christ. So literally, this is what God is trying to get you and I to understand. Every problem we have is a result of sin. Jesus dealt with sin. He used his force to deal with sin. And now we stand in a position as more than conquerors because we didn't have to pay for the sin. So we're more than conquerors because of him. But then let's keep going. Why are we more than conquerors? Tell your neighbor, say, because Jesus did all the work. He did all the heavy lifting. Jesus did all the heavy lifting. All the heavy lifting. You're like, oh, it's so hard to walk by faith. No, what's hard is the cross. Walking by faith is easy because he's already walked the path for you. And even think about this. Even if when you think you're a trailblazer, you're not actually a trailblazer because Jesus trailed the blaze, blazed the trail first. So you think you're going first, but the Bible says that he is our shepherd and he leads us. So even if I can't look around and see a natural person who's done it, I can rest assured that if I'm called to it, Jesus did it first and he is walking ahead of me. This is how dope God is. God decided who Erica was going to be. So he walked out her course step by step. He looked at every place based on how he had wired her that she could get off. At every place that she could get off, he created another path to get her back where she was supposed to be. 
be. He walks the path all the way to the end, ensures her victory, goes back, bring her into the earth, and then walks it with her. I am never alone. And even when I'm trying to do it my own way, even when I think I'm doing it my own way, God is still maneuvering me. So literally, as a believer, if I don't end up with victory, it's because I simply choose not to follow God. Don't nobody like that. And I'm going to tell you, this is true. Here we go. I'm going to say this. You can get mad. Faith without proof is fake. Faith without proof is fake. You want to know if your faith is real, where's the proof? Because hope and faith not the same thing. Faith without, you have to begin to demand that what you say you believe. Oh, here's a great example probably everybody can relate to. You ever studied for a test and you really thought you knew the information? And then the test proved that you didn't? The test proved that you didn't know it, right? That you, you, had, you had understanding in theory. Let me tell you something. That's how I was in algebra, baby. Let me tell you something. When he would be teaching, I would be like, yes. Yes, I got it. I'd be taking notes. I promise when I would see algebra tests, I, I was like, have we even seen these problems before? Like, what are we even talking about? I don't even understand. I'd be mad. I'd be like, these definitions weren't even in the book. Why? Because I didn't understand the full concept. So because I didn't understand the concept of algebra, I could never extrapolate it and use it outside of that sphere. See, if your faith don't ever come off this Bible and get in your heart and begin to manifest in your life, you can quote the scripture, but can you live it? By his stripes, we are healed till you get sick. And then you like, well, you know, maybe it's just the will of God for him to call me home. What the Bible say? What the Bible say? This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that you ought to live to be at least 70. According to the Bible, anybody who dies before 70 has had their life stolen. But if you don't know that, you don't even know you should declare that you're going to live a long life. He says that at basic you ought to live to 70, and if you please him, you ought to get to be 100. But when we don't understand, then we go, you know, so-and-so died. The Lord, it was their appointed time. No, it wasn't. The devil stole their life. That's why faith people make everybody else irritated. Faith people are irritating. Because faith people say bold declarations, expecting God to back it because we got it from God. I don't just be out there saying stuff that God say. I mean, just making up stuff. But if I read in the Bible that we're supposed to live and not die, then I'm not making an agreement with the devil to take me out early. If the Bible says our marriage should be days of heaven on earth, why isn't that the confession that you're making over your marriage even before you marry? When we get married, we're going to have days of heaven on earth. I'm telling you, it used to irritate people so bad because people would be like, when Tay was little, people would be like, wait till she a teenager. We're like, what's going to happen? 
they would be like, when she a teenager, she go do what teenagers do. I would say, you find me one scripture in this Bible that tells me my kids have to live like hell as teenagers. It ain't one scripture in here. And people love to say, well, the Bible says that when they old, they will not depart from it. Well, do you know what depart means? It means it won't leave. Not they'll leave and come back. That's the prodigal story. It says that if you train them up, when they, they will not depart from it. They won't walk away from it. My expectation is that my children will not walk away from the Lord ever. Ever. I don't care what other people's kids do. My kids will not walk away from the Lord. You can't say that. That's what the Bible says. My kids don't get the flu. You can't say that. That's what the Bible says. See, that's why when you really start walking by faith, that mind get renewed. Stuff starts setting up in you. It irritates everything that's not faith. See, faith will always irritate everything that's not faith. Because it's only faith and fear. Ooh, everybody got quiet. Amen. All right, let's get, amen. It's only faith and fear. So when I'm moving in life, I am either moving by a word or I'm moving by fear. Now, the challenge is, is that fear dresses up as logic. And so you just go, it just makes sense. But what did God say? What did God say? And the truth of it is that most people know what their mama said. They know what Oprah said. They know what Dr. Phil said. But they don't know what God said. They know what they hater said. They know what the professor said. They know what the economy said. But they don't know what God said. Faith starts where the will of God is known. I must know what God is saying to me. Simple things. We're not going to even get through all these scriptures. I want to give you simple things that you can use. Two people, they get diagnosed with a sickness. So people who are in faith sometimes, they be like, I'm not having surgery. What did God say? Because some people God heals with surgery. Some people God heals with medicine. Some people God heals supernaturally. I got a right to healing. I don't have a right to dictate how God heals me. I want a baby. I can't have kids. I want to have my own baby. Did God tell you you would have your own baby out your womb, or did he tell you he would give you a baby? There is a difference. And I want to parenthetically insert that if you are a person who could not love a child you did not give birth to, you probably not saved. Because the, you are adopted into the family of God. So if you, can't, if you as an adopted person can't love a baby that you didn't have, you might want to check your whole salvation. And the truth of it is, if you take any kid, you feed them long enough, they hang out with you long enough, they your kid. They your kid. They your kid. The Lord said that you would get a promotion. Did he say this year? Did he say this year? Are you about to let your anxiousness cause you to step out of the time and with God? Did he say now? Right now. 
The Lord said you were going to build a dream house. Did he say build it now? Because the Bible says that to everything there is a time and a season. My friend Burrell is here today. If you guys don't know Burrell, she's like a superstar. Um, but um, she is, um, I don't want to talk about what her husband does because that's people what really views what people say about her. But she is like fabulous in her own right. And we're at different seasons of life, right? So one of the things she's always saying to me when she's talking to me is she's reminding me of the difference in our seasons. That her season is now her kids are grown. She can get up and go anywhere she want to go, whenever she want to go. My kids not. I'll go to jail if I do that. So when Burrell go place, I can't always be like, I want to go too. You can't. Stay home. It's not your season for that. But if you keep walking out your journey... So here's the difference. All her kids are grown. All my kids aren't grown, but I got kids who can babysit. They don't have kids that can babysit. They can't be like, we're going to trust the angels to watch over our kids while we go to dinner. Because the Bible says he'll give his angels charge over them. So understand this. Now look at this. Burrell's at a different season, Sean's at a different season, Jen's at a different season, right? So let's say the Lord tell all of us that he wants us to work on our marriage. The way in which we can do it is different because the season that we're in. So we can all be working on our marriage, but our plan can look nothing alike because of the season that we're in. You understand what I'm saying? Where does faith start? How do I find out the will of God? The word. I got to start with the word. The word is not going to contradict itself. You don't get to have somebody else's husband. Ooh, the spirit of the Lord said. No, the spirit of the devil said, and depending on who you run up on, you may get jumped on. Like, don't mess with other people's husband. They don't play that. Most of them don't. You don't get to do that. But you also don't get to have a job that God has assigned to somebody else. Just because you want it don't mean it's yours. Amen. Listen. Let's do these three scriptures, and then we're going to go home. We're going to be talking about faith for a while. Let's look at 1 John 5 and 4. I know I'm skipping around, Ralph. Y'all learn anything? Are you learning something? Where does faith start? That's the reason we always ask you, what did God say? I want to marry Tom. What did God say? Because everybody in the world can bless you. They can be like, ooh, we blessed. We, ooh, we think y'all a cute couple. We ain't none of us going home with you. None of us. So you need to know so that when you want to go, you will remind yourself why you're there to begin with. And the challenge for most people is that they don't have a word for what they do. They just do what they want to do. Where did the Lord tell you to live? Most people don't ask the Lord where he want them to live. Because you probably ain't going to like where he say. You think you're not going to like it, but it's good for you. Lord, where you want me to live? I ask people all the time. They be like, people send me messages. They be like, oh, my God, I wish I could go to Fellowship of Champions. What is the, did, do you live where the Lord tells you to live? Well, I couldn't move. Do you live where the Lord tells you to live? I can't find a job. Do you live where the Lord tells you to live? It really is that simple. Do I live where, do you parent the way the Lord told you to parent? I know that that's what your mama did to you, but is that what the Lord told you to do to your kids? Is that what he told you to do? I, don't, I just called big mama. Did God, did God give you them kids a big mama? Who gave them to you? Because people don't think about this. When you stand before the Lord, it is not going to be acceptable to the Lord to say, well, Lord, I didn't do what you told me to do because Big Mama told me not to. 
it, it, it's just not. So you got to know God for yourself. And you got to understand that in growing up in God, it's going to be times that God is going to ask you to do things that don't make sense. So those of you who are logical and intellectual people, if everything got to make sense, you're going to miss God a lot. God asks you to do a lot of stuff that don't make sense. Lots of stuff. that If, if you don't have something that God has told you to do that don't make sense, you just missed him. God asks you to do stuff all the time that don't make sense. You trying to save money to get out of debt, and he tell you bless somebody else. That don't make sense. It don't make sense to buy lunch for somebody who rude to you. That don't make sense. It doesn't make sense that you would fast when you're in trouble. We go fast. We sick, we go fast. We go fast because the Bible says this kind comes out by, by prayer. But if you don't know the word, you don't even know that. It says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. How do we overcome the world? Our faith. We overcome the world through our faith. So literally, the enemy says, here's what's happening in life. Just something simple. Here's what's happening in life. In northwest Arkansas, there is an outbreak of X, right? Now you get to choose whether you agree with the outbreak or what God said. Psalms 91 tells me that it doesn't matter what plague happens, it shall not come nigh my dwelling. One of the hardest decisions in Taylor's life, like literally, was to take the flu shot. Because when she got in college to play basketball, they made her take the flu shot. Babe, we had to walk her through. She was like, I tried to tell them that Jesus is my flu shot. And they are, no, she was hot. Because since the second grade, she was like, I don't get the flu. Because the Lord is my, baby, she was going to leave school over the flu shot. I was like, no, 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 because by, basketball is your destiny. It's okay. It's cool. She was every year that we take the flu shot, we got to have a conversation about it. She's like, I don't understand why they don't have no faith. <laughs> because what's in you is going to come out of you. So why is it that when you see on the news the allergy season is going up, now you confessing that your allergy is about to get bad? Jesus didn't die for allergies too. He died for cancer, but not allergies. He raised people from the dead, but not allergies, right? You, but you know allergies such a little thing. God cares about everything in your life. Those of you who got kids who aren't married, you ought to be praying over their spouse now. This kind of declarations we make in our house. We be like, Lord, we thank you that our spouses, our children's spouses, that they love you and that they love them. And we thank you that they rock with Camp Strict, because if they don't, they can't come here. They can't come here. That's serious. Why? Because we have worked to build a family that loves each other and is committed. We're not letting some devil come up in and make our family divided. You say that when your kids are little. You don't marry somebody who don't like your sibling. Don't like your mama. We give, like, we give our kids scenarios. We be like, what if you like James? And what if James don't like your brother? Jordan be like, I'm breaking up with James. That's right. <laughs> we ain't let nobody come in and divide our family. When you see a divided family, it's because somebody didn't know how to use faith to keep the family together. Amen. Faith is the power of God to release the will of God. In the most simplest terms, that's what faith is. Faith is more than a belief. 
in the kingdom. Faith is a power source. It connects me to what God said. And as a believer, I used to say this all the time. Y'all probably haven't heard me say this, but faith ain't for punks. Faith ain't for punks. You can't be in faith and be no punk. I mean, because the devil going to try you. You got to get that word in you to such a degree that when something happens, you like, because sometimes you, you, you get emotional and you cry and you sad and you whatever. But when you sad, you should pay attention to what you hear. Because if you can't hear words, you ain't got enough word in you. When you say, I'll never get this. I remember I was laying on the floor one time. A lot of people don't know this. But I was standing in a service one time. I had, we had Taylor Chase and Caleb. I was standing in the service at Life Harvester Church. I had my hands lifted. And the Lord said to me, he said, you're going to have a daughter and her name is Jordan. And so I didn't know it at the time, but I was pregnant. And I had a miscarriage. And I can remember laying on the floor trying to figure out why God would tell me I was going to have a daughter and then I'd have a miscarriage. I am laying on the floor crying, but I can hear the word speaking to me. It ain't over till I said it's over. This ain't the end of that thing. And he said to me real clear, he said, you got a choice to make. He said, you can stay in this fear and you can keep those three kids or you can get the baby I told you belonged to you. So I had a miscarriage. When I had told people I was pregnant, I said, it's going to be a girl, and her name is Jordan. And then when I, had, when I got pregnant with Jordan, people was like, how can you name her Jordan? Because the Lord said I was going to have a daughter, and her name was Jordan. And if the other Jordan didn't make it here, she can't, he can't be the Jordan that God is talking about because Jordan is coming because that's what God said. What I didn't understand is that God gave me a word about Jordan because he knew how Jordan was going to be attacked when she was born. So he had to give me a word about who she was going to be so I'd have something to stand on when we was walking through the valley of the shadow of death. That's why when they said to me Jordan wouldn't talk, I was like, you don't know what you're talking about because God told me I was going to have a daughter named Jordan. And God told me she was going to do this. I know them people thought I was crazy. I don't give a flying flip what them people talk. I got a daughter right now that talk. I got a daughter right now that do all kind of stuff that people never said she. I would much rather look like a fool rocking with Jesus. I wish we had video of it. I wish you could have seen Jordan when she was little. I wish you could have seen how you couldn't understand one word that she said. I wish you could have seen what it was like to watch her run into the wall and not be able to stop her. She'd be running in the wall. I'd be walking behind her. I'd be like, you are healed in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And we laid hands on her in the morning and at night. People would come to our house. They would be trying to help us. Talk about God made it that way. The devil is a lie and you are too and she will talk so call me crazy I don't care I know how to use my faith to get heaven to show up that's why we stand against cancer That's why we stand against sickness and disease. God used the word with Jordan 
See, because the Bible says you go from faith to faith and glory to glory. So all the lessons we learned with Jordan, that's why when your baby got sick and your wife used to call me, I knew exactly what to tell her. Listen, when the doctors give you a report, I'm trying to help you for those of you who got a report from the doctor. When the doctor give you a report, you take the report and you find a scripture to contradict everything they say. And you open up your mouth. You need the report because the Bible says whose report will you believe? In order to know, you got to know the other report. They tell you this. They will say about Jordan. They will say, Jordan is never going to understand sarcasm. Is there a scripture in the Bible that says, no. Sarcasm is a form of humor, right? What does the Bible say about humor? Oh, who do we know that's sarcastic? Ooh, Caleb, lay hands on Jordan and command that she can understand sarcasm. I will read the articles. They said autism was the result of your brain synapses not firing properly. So we would lay hands on her. We say we command your synapses to fire in Jesus name and if there's something wrong with your synapses we command the God that gave you synapses in the first place to give you some new synapses that fire like they supposed to and we would go to every meeting and they would say we can't believe Jordan did that we'd be like praise the Lord tell us what else she can't do listen I'm telling you you gotta understand that when you call to walk by faith every faith fight ain't an easy fight every faith fight that's why you that's why Pastor Ed was trying to get you to understand you you got to believe you receive it when you heard it. Why? Because the devil going to try to come and make you think that. One of the most challenging moments in my life with Jordan. I was coming back from Conway. I was driving. I was praying. I was crying. I was like, Lord, this is what you said about my baby. This is what you said. And I know the devil trying to steal a life because I already had a miscarriage. See, I don't think a miscarriage is anything but the devil attempt to steal the will of God from coming into the earth. That's all it is. And I began to pray over her. And the Lord gave me this song. And I wrote these songs down. And I came home. I used to play the piano. And I took the keyboard out. And I started trying to peck the song out. And Jordan was in the other room. They hadn't been able to, we hadn't been able to get her to say anything that we could understand. Nothing. You think you got a problem when your kid talk too much? One of the greatest problems in your life is to have a kid that you can't get to say a word. I was sitting there pecking that song out. While I was pecking that song out, she was running that circle. And I started to hear, she said, A, B, C, D. I lost it. It took that one, the Bible says, the blade. All you need is a blade, baby. When I got that blade, when that baby said, hey, I knew we was talking then. It didn't even matter what we had to walk through then because she had already done what they said was impossible. Her life has been a testimony to teachers. Teachers have sat and wept and said they know the Lord must have done it because there's no way she could have learned that much that fast. That's why you got to surround yourself around faith. What did God say about your destiny? What did God say about your family? What did God say about your mama? What did God say about this sickness? What did God say about this church? You better say what God is saying. One of my favorite quotes is by Gloria Copeland. She says, if you're willing to stand forever, you won't have to stand for very long. In Hebrews 11, it tells us that not everybody who believed God saw the end of their faith. 
but they died believing. I may not live long enough to hear see racism live, live, die, but I'm going to die believing. That's all Dr. King did, die believing. I'm trying to get you to understand what we call to Christianity is not some organization. It is not some passive, lily-livered, let's just be nice. It is devil kicking in, bust the door in, take what belongs to you, and slap the devil in his mouth if he say something. It is gangster. It is thuggish. It is bad. And it is bold. And what you don't understand is that if you ever get in faith, all of heaven will back you. All of heaven will back you. You can walk with God so tight. This is true. Walk with God so tight. And Chris will tell you. you she'll have to tell her testimony sometimes. Chris, my first daughter. God gave us a word. It ain't even done yet. And she would go all over this nation. And she would sing. And Chris would date these guys, and they would be destiny destroyers. So in the beginning, I'd be trying to talk to Chris. She wouldn't listen. I'd be like, all right, okay. Let me go on in this room and shut this door. Because all God is looking for is for somebody to agree with him. Uh, the only reason people don't get the will of God in their life is because they don't agree with God. You let your money tell you, you let your credit score tell you, you let the doctor tell you, you let everything tell you but God because you didn't hear what God said. And then when you do hear what God say, you got to meditate on that thing until it becomes so big. I'm telling you, as parents, you may not know what your spouse, what your kid's spouse look like, but you ought to recognize them by the spirit when you see them. Because you ought to be like, the enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if somebody show up and ain't from God, all they're trying to do is destroy destiny. You don't get to cut the destiny off that we done prayed for. The destiny we done labor for. The destiny we done paid money for. Oh, no, you don't get to have that. That is what faith is. My kids, they will serve the Lord. We go in, we go pray. I'm going to tell y'all some of the ways I pray. Like, this is how I pray on my kids. I'll be like, Lord, this is what you told me about them. I got a journal where I write down the stuff the Lord tell me about my kids. Not just who they're going to be, but what their stumbling blocks are. Who's stubborn? Who has a propensity to be lazy? Who's an overachiever and could get caught up into perfectionism? I write down the stuff that the Lord tells me about them. And I'm getting, I, I make confessions over them. Father, I thank you because my child is this. Father, I thank you that when, you that when the enemy tries to bring ungodly influences to pull my kids into sin, my kids will tell you this. Very rarely do they do anything that is not exposed within 24 hours. Is that the truth, boys? That is my absolute prayer. If they do anything, let them be exposed so the enemy don't destroy them. I'll be at home sometime. The Lord will be like, 
text chase. Text Taylor. I was dreaming the other night and I saw, I asked the Lord to give me dreams about my kids. Why? Because we praying and believing for something. And I don't want my family destroyed. We, we not going to be on no television show talking about Sarah came in and she done messed up the whole family. We go bind Sarah and send Sarah wherever she's supposed to be because it don't belong. It's not here. That's how you got to live. That's how we pray over you guys. We're like, Lord, don't let them be enticed to step outside of your timing. Lord, let them be patient. Lord, give them the wisdom and discernment to know who's in their life for good and for evil. Get them the courage to walk away from relationships that are not beneficial to them. Get them the courage not to self-sabotage themselves, to see themselves the way that you see them. Help them to be faithful over the little things that you call them to so they can be promoted into the big things. Help them to live in victory. One of my declarations over this church every day is there will be no premature death. You will live and not die. We got a group of people been praying over 18 months that our church is cancer-free, free from sickness and disease, free from all timers, free from every sickness that would cut off your life, that when you die, it is going to be because your assignment is complete. You're going to sit with your family. You're going to be loved, and you're going to go home to be with the Lord. Can you pray that? That's what the Bible says. Everybody don't have to die from an accident, from a sickness, from disaster. You could just finish your assignment and say, well, I'm going home. But if you don't know that's in the word, you won't even try it. And then you think that everything that happens, happens because God is doing it. God isn't killing people. You're not broke because of God. You can't not get a job because of God. You God ain't keeping. Listen, let me tell you something. One of the biggest lies I ever told is that God ain't sending you no husband because you ain't prepared. I, I was the least prepared of anybody in the world to be married. To this day, I believe that God gave me a husband for one reason. Because I was just crazy enough to believe that I could be married. I didn't even want to be married then. This is true. This is what I said. I said, Lord. This was in November before I met Strick. November 9-3. I was sitting on my bed. I said, I don't want to date nobody else until it's time for me to get married. I was like, I'm going to just chill out. I'm going to say, I'm just going to kick it. I was 21. I said, I'm going to kick it till I'm 27. Let me be my husband when I'm 27. Right? February, I meet Edwin. I was like, Lord, listen. Too soon. You need, go, you need to give him something to do. <laughs> I got stuff. But it's true. I got stuff to do. I got stuff to do <laughs> that don't involve husband. And the Lord showed me a vision of us preaching. I realize that now, Chris, we was preaching a victory. We were standing on the stage preaching about marriage. And we already had kids. That's how I knew I was supposed to marry him. That's how I knew that even when I wanted to leave, that we hadn't got there yet because I hadn't seen that thing that the Lord showed me. You need a vision past five years. You need a vision past your wedding. You, you, you need lo the Lord to be able to show you somebody in your old age. Like see yourself on the porch and you look over there to the right. Who there? If you can't put them in that chair... That ain't it. All right. 
Let's pray for, hmm. there is no shortcut to this, guys. You have to get in the word for yourself. And you know what's so beautiful? Man, when we first started working out, walking out the word, we didn't have Google. Whatever we wanted to learn, we had to have concordances. And you remember all them books, Ralph and Nietzsche? We got them big old 5,000-page books that we trying to carry everywhere. When we used to preach, we used to preach with three Bibles trying to show you the different translations. Now you can go to Google. You can type in scriptures about peace. And they will pull up every scripture on peace. All you got to do is read. You, you got to read them. You got to read them more than one time. Here's what you got to decide, though, really. You got to decide that the word is the first and the final authority in your life. Man, I'll be talking so much stuff about what I ain't going to do. I'm always talking about what I'm not going to do. At the end of the day, you know what I'm going to do? Whatever the Lord tell me to. That's just the truth. I be talking good game. How I ain't gonna pass no more. How I never come back to Northwest Arkansas and have no church. And my everything in my life live in San Diego. I be trying to get to San Diego all the time. The Lord was like, "You can go to San Diego if you want to, but what I called you to do is in Arkansas." And the interesting thing is that it's so funny to me that if it's for me and Edwin, it's for some of y'all too. That everything you want to do in life ain't gonna be where you want it to be. Does that mean we're not going to ever get to go to San Diego? No, that's not what it means. It just means we're not going there. So just because God asks you to do something now that you don't want to do, don't mean that he's not going to 